he's my go-to person as far as uh, anything cricket is concerned or rather anything sport is concerned ayaz mehman wonderful to see you uh, both vaccines done all nice and healthy yes rishi always a pleasure to be on your show and yes everything done the, the double vax is done and waiting for the booster shot Indian innings the journey of Indian cricket from 1947 is edited by Az Mehman this is really the biggest and the best compilation of uh, of writing in cricket do you have some of the foremost names in cricket journalism as well as people who would rather they were cricket journalists but are actually doing uh, you know very vibrant things in other professions and over the course of the next hour you're going to find out more about them now in the forward you write about how you invited people and the criterion for article selection so i think it's a nice place to start where did the idea for indian innings the anthology come from and how do you go about selecting these personalities so i've been toying with the idea of you know a book on indian cricket there's not too many books on indian cricket actually you know which is a surprise or perhaps not such a surprise because i don't think we are as a nation given to documenting our own achievements uh, or our own history you know i mean if you if you look at a county like surrey say in england or yorkshire you'll find 50 60 books only on the county but i i don't think you'll find that many books on mumbai cricket or delhi cricket or karnataka cricket or madras cricket because the tradition in india generally was for history to be carried from generation to generation orally you know so people would speak rather than write about it which i thought would also then create a lot of gaps in between because uh, you know there is a in documentation there is a certain wit that comes in you know it stands the test of time rather than just oral history i'm not decrying what oral history the, the uses of oral history but uh, i thought that maybe something needs to be done and cricket of course was my passion my vocation and then i realized that i'm not a historian you know that drill is very different i'm not a ram gua though he's written this book uh, i'm not a boria majumdar i'm not even a mihir bose who's brought out this absolutely fantastic book called indian history of indian cricket 25 30 years back uh, in fact when it released in 1990 i was in england that was one one of the reasons why this thought had sparked in in my mind you know that something wow this is a really good piece of work by a journalist and so i said let me try and do it a little differently and why not look at doing a book based on the best writings of uh, on on indian cricket by various writers it's, it won't be me i'll play the job of uh, you know curating it i'll curate i'll seek out these articles hunt for them and you know bring out an anthology and i just sent out emails to 30 35 you know people who i knew were either cricket writers or sports journalists or cricket aficionados like yourself you know so people who are passionate about cricket but also write on it fairly i mean as much as they can so shashi tharoor uh, ram guha rajdeep sardesai are some of the people who i reached out to mukul keswan uh, and said you know i'm this is what i'm planning to put together and can you send me four or five of you what you think are your best pieces and let me pick what i like and most of them i think 99% of the people responded which was very very heartening and i got the articles from them and then i realized that even then it's very difficult to bring out a book on the best writing because the best is very subjective you know and and so i and i was wrestling with what to do when i hit upon a slightly different idea i said let me look at the major inflection points in indian cricket from independence from 1947 till 2020 or 2021 almost 75 years and if i get the best writing so be it if i don't at least i get reports and features or you know stories which represent those inflection points like a uh, india's first ever test victory against england in 1951 or 
Pataudi becoming captain of India at the age of 21. The 1971 wins under Wadekar in West Indies and England and 1983 World Cup win under Kapil Dev in England and so on. And therefore, I said, okay, apart from what I've got, let me just go and deep dive into the archives of newspapers where I, in, in as much as I could, Times of India, Hindu, Indian Express, HT, Hindustan Times, is these are the four major publications to which I gained access and I started doing this drill. Then I reached out to the Telegraph, the Deccan Herald, India Today, Outlook, magazines, websites, Crick Info, you know, the works. And that's how I put together this you know, this compilation, which I thought, and, you know, as it grew on me, and as I started kind of developing this idea, of course, I ran into a major problem with the pandemic and the lockdown. So I was stranded in my house. And then I, the only access was through, you know, Dr. Google, or the websites of the newspapers. But I thought, let me also give it a little slant. One is make sure I get a huge collection of writers who people may also remember and associate with. And what I should get is for Certainly for the younger generation of Indian cricket fans to ha to get some idea of what the journey of Indian cricket has meant from 1947, not only from the time Sachin Tendulkar and Rahul Dravid and Saurav Ganguly started playing. A lot of the younger generation fans in India, you know, they get startled when you mention a, a Vindu Mankad or a Pankaj Roy or even a Salim Durrani or Chandu Bode or these names which are not necessarily iconic names. I mean, Mankad is, but... You know, the, the, the familiarity is very, very low. And I thought this, this book should serve that purpose of bringing people of this generation to, to understand what guys in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s did for Indian cricket. Now, this it predominantly started off as being essays which are published by Indians, but then you had to expand the ambit and made it, make it people of Indian origin. Yes. And secondly, you had one eminent broadcaster turning around to you and saying, I freshly minted an article. And you had another journalist say, I wrote this for a coffee table book, but hey, it didn't see the light of day. So talk about those instances. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the idea was to have all published articles only by Indian writers because it is all about Indian cricket and in Indian publications. And I felt, you know, uh, while I started progressing on the book that I might miss out on something if I didn't get, say, a chapter from Mihir Bose, you know, on his, from uh, History of Indian Cricket and especially the transition of the captaincy, uh, which is so much in the news now, from uh, Tiger Pataudi to Ajit Wadekar. That was a very contentious and, you know, very tumultuous moment in Indian cricket history. And so Mihir Bose lives in England. He's a Bombay boy. Studied in St. Xavier's School in St. Xavier's College, but migrated to England. So I said, now I had to come up with a clever line for myself. How do I include him? Then there was David McMohan, who was the editor of Sports World when I was the editor of Sports Week. So we were contemporaries and rivals, but he had migrated to Australia. So to Rohit Brijanath, who's the most wonderful writer that, you know, which, which we all know. And he's now living in Singapore, but he's spent a lot of time in, in Australia. I don't know if he's... Uh, you know, is an Indian passport holder or not still. But these are all guys, people of Indian origin. So I kind of shifted the goalposts a bit. Tunku Vardarajan, who lives in England, actually writes for, uh, in in America. And he li writes largely for Wall Street Journal. And I love the way, the love the piece he wrote on Virat Kohli for the 2019 Wisden Almanac. So I expanded the ambit just a little wee bit. So I said, let's get in people of Indian origin writing. So there's no... No non-Indian in that sense who features in the book as an author. They're all Indians, if not by passport, at least by origin. And the other is that I cheated a little bit about 
you know where the publish uh, where the pa- articles were published. So there's Wisden 2019 a piece on uh, on Virat by Tunku, and then there's a piece in the Melbourne Age by David McMahon on Sachin Tendulkar. It's an interview with Sachin in 1992, which I thought will g- you know that the distance in time will give an idea for the readers to know what Sachin was in 1992 and so on. So I've just fudged a little bit. Yes, and also. Uh, you know, interestingly, Shashi Tharoor, he had no clue where he had written the piece. I did Google search. He's written a piece in Sunil Gavaskar. Wonderful piece, long read. And he said, you know, I, it's published. I don't know where. And I couldn't find out where. So anyway, that's there. There's Makran Vaigankar, who's uh, written a very charming piece on uh, on Pataudi, which he had been commissioned to write, which never got published, but it's there in this book. And then, of course, there's uh, a piece by Harsha Bhogle on uh, Indo-Pak cricket. I think Harsha perhaps misunderstood my brief and he thought that I wanted a freshly minted piece. So he sent me a freshly minted piece. <laughs> and I said, listen, I'll break my my you know original concept here a little bit that all published pieces should be in the book Harsha's piece who wouldn't want to publish it and it's a lovely piece it's a heartfelt piece by Harsha on Indo-Pak cricket Indian Innings edited by Ayaz Mehman is available on Westland Books and uh, it's on all online as well as on-ground stores I highly advocate you go and read it very entertaining informative and uh, a forward by Ayaz which is a gem unto itself now we obviously can't tell you about everything that's in the book otherwise why would you go and buy it <laughs> the idea is to tease you enough so that you actually go and say I want to read more so I've actually p- picked out certain things yeah. and I've actually stuck to the the earlier history simply because in the modern era there's a lot of writing available on yes. the internet Kishore Bhutani Sports Week 1976 and Ram Guha Crick Info 2009 these are articles which are separated uh, by decades but they both write about the burly Gundapa Vishwanath right and his his square cut which is legend yes <laughs> yeah Kishore Bhimani was uh, you know he used to write for the statesman he was a journalist with the statesman uh, for many years and he became a very dear friend. I actually met him the first time in 1989 on the tour of the West Indies. Uh, and then we struck up a very good rapport with each other. Uh, I, I've been to his house a few times in Kolkata. We, you know, from, he passed away, unfortunately, during this uh, first phase of the COVID. Uh, but a thoroughly entertaining man and he was on that tour. To, uh, to West Indies in South uh, in 1976 when India chased a world record score with Gavaskar and Vishwanath both making centuries and that was you know it's interesting Rishi I mean if, if I don't have many uh, or any chapter on just stats but till 1976 I would say till about 1977-78 the careers of statistically the careers of Gavaskar and Vishwanath were running absolutely parallel they were making the same number of runs so to speak the average was around 50 for both number of centuries was also you know more or less equal and of course later on Gavaskar just zoomed ahead and uh, Vishwanath's career unfortunately faded out prematurely I thought 1983 but that 1976 win when India beat West Indies chasing 406 runs it was a world record then centuries by both these maestros contribution by Jimmy Amarnath Brijesh Patel but it's a big inflection point in Indian cricket but also international cricket because this defeat hurt the ego of Clive Lloyd so badly that he discarded spinners from the West Indies attack. (laughs) This was at the Port of Spain pitch where, you know, he had maybe two or three spinners in the team then to play two spinners. And they, you know, they thought they'll bowl bowl out India. 406 to chase. Only Bradman's team had done it earlier. Bradman's Invincibles. And that the spinners would help them win the match on a fifth-day pitch. It didn't happen. And therefore, Clive Lloyd changed his, the dynamics of how he would 
you know pursue cricket and it changed it changed the way cricket you know kind of kind of unfolded over the next decade decade and a half internationally because lloyd's team went on to become one of the most the strongest teams that one has seen in this and the inventor of the four pace battery yes uh, absolutely know, format wonderful then again two articles separated by decades Khalid Ansari back in the day in the Sports Week 1974 Bishan Bedi in the Indian Express as recently as this year as yes. 2021 Yes Now it was about that 42 all out at Lords a record it's even to call it a record is yeah. dubious ignominious ignominious <laughs> record <laughs> that india managed to beat to, to beat yes <laughs> with with that display that poor display in australia from which they came back of course and the 3-0 loss in the test to england and my oh my shoplifting by sudhir nayak i i fell off my chair you know it's a, yeah, I mean, one of those urban legends uh, and of course solkar's drink i'd like you to narrate yeah. solkar's drink <laughs> and sudhir nayak Yeah. Well, look, I mean, you know, the fact that some of these articles have been written at that point in time, like Khalid Khalid Ansari's article written in 1974, and Bedi 20, 30, 40 years later reminiscing about yeah. the same thing, is it just gives you a great contrast. Like you mentioned earlier about Vishy's piece by Kushor Bimani, and then by Ram Guha, who talks about his favorite batsman. You know, with a sense of nostalgia, with a sense of what he has seen as a young man, and he's remembering those. So it gives. Of a flavor and a feeling, I thought, which is is not otherwise achievable. So I think this book offers those contrasts. And the 1974, of course, I remember as a young man, I was aghast. We used to only listen to radio commentary and 42 pay all out. And in those days, you know, we used to have Hindi commentary, AIR, and Jasdev Singh was the commentator who used to be all better known for hockey. But और ये लॉर्ड्स में ऊंची ऊंची इमारतें दिखाई दे रही है और बादल छाए हुए और ये और विकेट एक और विकेट गिर गई. And suddenly we were 42 all out. it was disastrous for a, for young fans for fans why young young or old to see india being bowled out for 42 and you know khalid i think khalid ansari was there sports week was a very powerful voice in the in the sports media in those days and you know the controversy with sudhir nayak then eknath solkar uh, you know in that match in 42 not all solkar solkar was the highest scorer incidentally you know amongst those people who very few remember now today occasionally you'll you'll see a throwaway line when suppose ravindra jadeja you see a brilliant piece of fielding by him somebody some fuddy duddy like me might remember oh you know we used to have ekna solkar but ekna solkar was renowned for his close in catching jadeja for his outfielding but equally brilliant solkar you know he could walk into the team as they say on his fielding strength alone so and, and solkar was the beneficiary of tiger pataudi's formula for making indian cricket at least productive at home which is to deploy an all spin attack or predominantly spin attack and give them the the umbrella field so to speak of close in fielders a slip a forward short leg a silly point a backward short leg and the spinners would get the wickets you know there would be no fast bowler the ball would be roll along along the ground to get the shine off tiger patodi has opened the bowling for india sunil gavaskar has opened the bowling for india budhi kundran has opened the bowling for india just to bowl that one or two overs and then let bedi or chandra or pras or venkatraghavan come into bowl and you know I was speaking. To, I think Ravi Shastri mentioned to me that the short leg fielder fielding position was actually perhaps or certainly invented by Tiger Patodi, which is where Solkar became 
you know, I mean, world-renowned. I think he's got 52 or 53 catches in 27 matches. And at great risk, today you've got all kinds of protective material which he didn't have then. So, when you when you read the story of a Khalid Ansari of that tour and talking about the controversies around it, and then you've got Bedi reminiscing. Bedi was amongst the senior pros then. He was not the captain. He became the captain subsequently. Uh, and all the tamasha that went on, you know, players getting into fisticuffs and fights at the British High Commissioner's party, you know, and it, some, sometimes I wonder, Rishi, that when we hear all these stories and all the events that have transpired recently with, you know, Virat Kohli, Rohit Sharma, BCCI, players, captaincy, that the more things change, the more they remain the same. And just a nugget that I pulled from the book Bhagwat Chandrasekhar, man who couldn't hurt a fly Bishan Singh Bedi says in the the same tour Was so scarred by Sudhir Nayak being accused of shoplifting That he insisted on taking Bishan with him to a shop To try and get his trousers altered (laughs) And the good lady at the desk Took a look at the trousers and rang a bell Chandra thought that maybe she had called Scotland Yard <laughs> and he would be behind bars. And he literally went down on his knees and said, Madam, I bought this yesterday and I've just come here to alter my trousers. Yes. So, you know, it was obviously scarring for the whole Absolute. team. And you can yeah. imagine just the the the, the the words create an imagery which, you, which conveys, you know, what the team must have gone through. And I must tell you this about, it's a little tidbit about Bhagwat Chandrasekhar, which many people may know, may not know, but you certainly as, you know, one of the leading radio jockeys in India, and you handle so much music, but not the kind that he... He used to sing songs while he used to bowl. And he would sing songs of K.L. Saigal and Mukesh. He was always interested in sad songs. Not the happy... Even Mukesh's happy songs <laughs> were not his priority. So imagine him, Chandrasekhar, you know, full sleeve because he wouldn't reveal his arm. He had a polio-affected arm. Yeah. Running into bowl. He didn't bowl of four or five steps. He came and ran in like a medium pacer. And, you know, and he had very quick arm action. And, you know, and there would be this massive chorus wherever he played in India. If he marked out his run and he came into bold, the noise would be like, bold. And Chandra is singing a Mukesh song running into bold. <laughs> or a Saigal song. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Makaran Vaingankar on a coffee table book on Tiger, which never got published in Indian innings for the very first time. In Ayaz Speaks, which I find is a wonderful format, every time an article, a published article is presented in Indian innings, at the end of it, Ayaz has written a nice little paragraph and a quotable quote of uh, the great Mansur Ali Khan Patodi delivering the Raj Singh Dungarpur Memorial Lecture in 2010. I don't know if you if you were in the audience, but what a quote that was about the <laughs> yeah. BBCCI. I'd like you to say it. I was there. Actually, I moderated a session with him. Uh, so, I mean, he and Raj Singh were obviously very close so when Raj Singh passed away and this was the first memorial lecture which they had for him. He was there. And, you know, Tiger Pataudi was a man of great sporting brilliance, as we know. Uh, uh, I mean, in my in my opinion, he was absolutely unique. In the, in the whole panoramic or panorama of sport, any sport, imagine you've got no, you know, no, no vision in one eye. I mean, 95, 97% gone. How do you play at the international level? I can understand you play at the gully level, kabhi club cricket khelia, but international level, until his, you know, reflexes started slowing and the eye started giving him problems, the other eye also, he had a batting average which was in the mid-40s. In his, you know, he had made six test centuries, including a double century. He's batted on one leg at Melbourne, you know, and hit 
two half centuries against the Aussie pace attack of 1967. He captained the team at the age of 21. Again, is it? I think Sunny Yajuvendra Singh, who's also played for India and has taken catches very close to Tiger. I think he mentioned to me that, or was it Ravi Shastri? I'm not so sure. One of these guys said when they met Brian Close in one of the tours in England, and they started talking about cricketers of the past. And Brian Close said this guy was the best cricketer in the world when he was young before he lost his eye at that and in that age group 1920. Unfortunate car accident loses his eye still goes on to play for India holds the dressing room together because the dressing room of the of Indian cricket was riven with uh, you know dissension and camps and all that. He's got a great line in Tiger's Tale Tiger Pathodi when he wrote that book. He says that managing the Indian team was so difficult because these the team people in the team didn't even speak the same language. So they formed groups: the South Indians to themselves, the North Indians to themselves, the Maharashtrians speaking Marathi, the Bengalis if they were there speaking Bengali, and so on. So imagine the difficulty for a 21, 22, 24 year old to handle a team, and then you know, and he did it for eight years till he lost the captaincy. But also a man of very droll humor, great. You know, great storyteller, great prankster. I'm sure you know of the story which he, the prank he played on Vishwanath when uh, Vishwanath was young. He had just made his debut, made a century on debut at Kanpur against Australia in 1969. Tiger Pataudi took to him; he loved him, so he would call teammates to Pataudi, which was his fiefdom or kingdom, and they all went there, and then they were kidnapped by bandits, and bandits threatened to. You know, extract money or kill. And Vishwanath was in tears and said, "No, you can't kill me. I'm an India player. I play cricket for India." And then they realized that they were all Pataudi's men. They were no bandits. They were all <laughs> put there to, you know, it was a prank he played. So this line, I mean, you know, Pataudi never became a selector or an administrator because he didn't kind of believe. He was out of sync with the board's politics. Though he did become part of the governing council of the IPL when they requested him and left it when they said that. You know, it'll be gratis. There'll be no money. He said. Then you know, people will not work. Then they'll do it for power, not as a professional thing. So, and Indian cricket was becoming big and richer. And he said that I, I would want that Indian cricket BCCI takes the lead in enriching the game, not just enriching its coffers. That's when he came up with this line that BCCI is the invoice of cricket. There's the voice and the invoice. The voice and the invoice. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. K N Prabhu, two articles from the Times of India, 1971, reporting from the West Indies port of Spain, and then London, England, at the Oval, then known as the Kensington Oval. Yes, the remarkable Indian summer of 1971, Test one at both venues. I'd like you to comment on that. So I, I, this was obviously very integral to the book, you know, this 71 tour because it's a, it's called the Renaissance moment in Indian cricket. We had never beaten the West Indies, not even won a Test match in the West Indies. Or beaten the West Indies ever. We went on to beat the West Indies in a series, and we had never won a match in England against England. We went on to win a match and also the series. Uh, and I thought K N Prabhu was somebody I grew up reading. You know, K N Prabhu, Khalid Ansari, and Ron Hendricks were my three heroes. I'd never met any of them, but from the age of say maybe eight, nine, ten, right till the time I joined Sports Week, where Khalid, which Khalid Ansari ran and he owned, and I joined him much later. But these were my So to speak, role models. I grew up reading up on sport, and K N Prabhu had a very lyrical style of writing. You know, so very Cardassian in that sense, like Neville Cardass is to uh, to English newspaper writing on 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 the sport. And I thought both these also 
represented a certain style and flavor of writing which frankly does not exist today you know because in the old days reportage had priority over everything else today because everything is available on tv or on live streaming you don't need actual reportage what has happened because people have seen it or are following it in real time through click info or whatever else what they may need is analysis data crunching or some scintillating feature writing you know or a controversy if you can get a news break and this represents the old the best of the old style of writing because prabhu was a titan you know in in his uh, in, in his fear and i spent some wonderful moments with by the time i got into the profession he was finishing but uh, he, he was a man of letters so to speak very very genteel very uh, you know very driven or immersed in english literature and he would find a reference from anywhere for any situation from some author it could be a pg woodhouse it could be a graham green he had read them all and that was such an inspiration for me when i when i became a journalist because i really feel that to be a good writer you have to be a good reader your reading has to be vast your repertoire has to be you know really big so that you keep improving as a writer and this 70 these two reports published in the times of india give you a flavor of how newspaper reporting on cricket was in the 60s and 70s certainly meher bose from his book nine waves i'm so glad uh, that you broke your own rule and said <laughs> uh, journalists of indian origin 2019 the book came out i remember reading it cover to cover the sacking of patodi by vijay merchant uh, and also bishan singh bedi's comments so i mean look this is again a, a very major inflection point in indian cricket uh, because it seemed that for for a long while that tiger patodi was invincible he would be captain of india as long as he, want, he was playing and then uh, there there came this uh, you know Uh, it was actually quite shocking and it was uh, uh, when it happened it was because of vijay merchant's casting vote uh, that clinched the issue in favor of wadekar there was trouble brewing for patodi uh, i mean in today's era 24 by 7 you know the media the whole day there would be people standing outside his house and you know almost precipitate a decision but in those days you would hard, you would get to know only the next morning what is happening or maybe 2 3 days later or a week later if you are following a magazine now Pathodi had a a slump in 66-68. Actually, India win the first series overseas. India's first Test match victory overseas came against New Zealand in New Zealand, and India went on to win that series three one, which was a big high for India. But subsequently, the next year when New Zealand came here, there was high drama because India beat West New Zealand at Mumbai at the at, the, at Bombay then at the at the Bravan Stadium. and then lost the next match at hyderabad and they would have lost or or at amdabad but then the second test match they lost badly and the third test match they were in sight of losing in under being bowled out for under 100 in either innings that was the threat somehow they were saved by rain but there were lots of allegations about i think it was in nagpur lots of stories and allegations of hectic partying and you know a patodi koteri we didn't care about you know this kind of mood was building up uh and therefore when the tour came up for 1970 and remember these were important uh, times not just or these were very different times and changing times not just in cricket but in indian society banks got nationalized privy purses got demolished taken away patodi was one of those symbolic of the privy purses obviously uh, you know so i always believe that sport and especially in a country like india where cricket is so passionate cricket is becomes a metaphor of you know national life and social life what is happening in the country politically or in the social fabric so 
this is a, this was a change which happened around the same time much as when you go into the mid 1970s you find you know amitabh bachchan becoming the angry young man and sunil gavaskar becoming the angry young man and great achiever in in, uh, in in cricket in the middle notching up century after century and you know showing spine uh, playing india uh, england or australia or all of those so tiger pataudi came under a lot of pressure 1970 casting vote by vijay merchant obviously i think there was no love lost between the two i tried probing a couple of times from tiger as to what really happened you know tell us so he would just have a wry smile and say you know the past is the past and, and bedi bedi had a comment on that bedi had a comment on that yeah bedi is the mauling, mauling of the tiger or something like that yes mauling of the tiger because obviously this is something that was being built up and you know the the final decision was like a fell blow so ob- there were people who supported tiger pathodi vehemently bedi being one of them he still does who didn't quite take to the idea of not having him as the captain but having said that let's also accept that ajit wadekar who became the captain delivered two amazing results and gave a real different turn to the story of indian cricket rajan bala in outlook 2002 on vinu mankad calling him cricketer of the century we're talking about indian innings a compilation of articles published or otherwise edited by ayaz memon it's out on all on ground as well as online stores please go get it it's really an anthology of cricket from 1947 to the modern day and what i also like is through ayaz speaks or through your forward you talk of very personal incidents you tried meeting the great man you tried meeting vinu mankad <laughs> yeah i did i tried unsuccessfully I, though unsuccessfully unsuccessfully because he used to be a coach here at the hindu gymkhana tersi nets were was, was bought it was called i think uh, and but you know i had heard that he was very hot tempered which he was you know he was he didn't believe in refinement of language so he could use whatever he wanted it, it but i you know spoke to salim durani much later when i was a professional journalist and i got to know salim by well and i asked him i said you know your father was a coach his father was a coach but he actually ended up coaching players in pakistan because after partition he went there and he said my benefactor was royal patronage whatever i was getting from jamnagar but who i learned the most from vinobhai he says there was not a trick that he didn't have he didn't know as a left arm spinner or as a batsman and his thinking was something beyond the comprehension of other cricketers that was his you know real massive tribute i would believe to uh, vinumankar and when i when i look back i mean even for somebody like me uh, growing up in the 60s and 70s i just till i till maybe about 25 30 years ago the real impact of vinu mankad started to grow on me vinu mankad missed a lot of time also because of the war much like vijay merchant and mushtaq ali and all of them did when there was no cricket he made a century in, in australia india's first ever series which was against don bradman's team he got wickets in australia so he proved himself as an all-rounder uh, bradman speaks of him pretty highly in his book farewell to cricket he is instrumental in india winning the first ever test match against england in 1951-52 he is instrumental in india beating pakistan for the first time the first series between these two countries and this you know you can imagine how emotionally charged the environment must have been he is the hero he puts up a first wicket partnership with pankaj roy 413 which becomes a world record you know i mean he is he is only the second player that i i know of who's and he was actually the first i would say brad uh, in botham is the second where a test match is named after the player so mankar's test lord's test of 1952 where he scores runs takes wickets he's got you know he's perhaps the only contributor from india uh, and 
Of course, there's Botham's test of Headingley, 1981. And also remember, in 1952, he was not originally in the squad. He had a panga with, you know who? C.K. Naidu, who was the chairman of selectors. Mankat had an assignment with some Lancashire League or some league cricket. In, and he wanted a guarantee that he would be in the squad. test team. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to lose money. Like a good Gujubai, he wanted <laughs> wanted to make sure that he was getting just rewards for his. So, C.K. Naidu being, you know, C.K. Naidu and a towering figure, he says, nobody demands a place, you know, in the Indian team. We'll see. Otherwise, we can do without you. So, he went off to England. And when they started struggling in the early parts of the tour, they called him back. There was some, uh, you know, tempers <coughs> were, tempers came down and he played and what an impact he made. And, I mean, the guy is a gigantic figure. If I can say this with great conviction, had Vinu Mankar been an Englishman, where there's such a rich tradition of writing on people like him, high achievers, there would have been 15-20 books on him at least. You know, So, <coughs> Rajan Bala was amongst my first... You know uh, the guys who I befriended on the on the cricket circuit. I we, we used to room together quite a lot in the days when you know we had to share rooms and travel by train and buses uh, from venue to venue. And he was very deeply steeped. He was steeped into Indian cricket history or cricket history generally. Uh, he would have this. He was a great recounter. He would have great stories. And he was about ten, twelve years older than me. So he had met Vinu Mankad more often. And I got to know a lot more about Vinu Mankad subsequently from Ashok Mankad and how tough he was, how strict he was. All his children played cricket. You know, Ashok, of course, played for India. Rahul and Atul didn't. <coughs> uh, but they were all... And where cricket was concerned, Ashok said, and he would call him Vinubai. He would call his father <laughs> Vinubai. There was no compromise at all. And I think this... He is an astonishing figure on the Indian cricket landscape. And I think if I ever have to do a biography, it would be about him. And you do mention in the foreword, uh, apart from the, the Pankaj Roy record partnership, eight wit wickets in an innings twice. 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 Amazing. He's extraordinary. So, uh, just to add here, yeah, uh, yeah. Rishi, very quickly. If you have to choose, if I have to choose an all-time great Indian level, he finds the place in my team. You know, Vijay Hazare has got dislodged by Rahul Dravid. Gavaskar and Sehwag, you know, they leave no place even for a Vijay merchant for me. Anil Kumble has replaced, in my, if I look back, say a Subhash Gupte. You know, there's Ashwin, who now, what the kind of fabulous achievements he's got, would leave no space for even a, uh, for a Erapalli Prasanna and, on, and so on. I mean, Kapil Dev, Gavaskar, of course, retain their places, Tendulkar, Kohli gets in. But Vinu Mankad, I would keep. A man who could bowl, who could bat, he could open the innings, he could bat at number six and do just about everything. Raju Mukherjee in 1997 in the Sports Star writes on Vijay Hazare. He strode like a colossus. When the uh, quadrangular became the pentangular is when Vijay Samuel Hazare, which is his full name, finally got to show his wares. And in Ayaz speak at the end, you talk about the two centuries in, in Adelaide. Right. So he was, he made two centuries in the same test match at Adelaide against it, was the, it wasn't called Bradman's Invincibles then because that happened in the 48 tour of England. But it was more or less the same attack that Bradman had and, and on home turf. Virat Kohli equaled that feat in 2014-15. He had two centuries at Adelaide. But Vijay Hazare, Samuel Hazare, the mildest of men. I mean, I have met Vijay Hazare umpteen number of times because he was a regular visitor to Mumbai. Uh, and largely because of Raj Singh Dungarpur when he was the president of the CCI and you know and he was so he was obsessed and devoted to cricket so he would get all these guys to come over most gentle 
you know, no airs about him at all. In fact, hardly you would hear a beep out of him. You talk to him about his mammoth run making, and you say, "Ha, huh, oh, that that was you know, wickets were good." or something like that he won't say you know what i tamed that attack i made sure that i get 200 by t or nothing like that not a sign not even a tinge of brashness or boastfulness in him and uh, when you look at his record again monumental he didn't play too many tests so it's difficult to judge you know vijay merchant 10 12 you know vijay hazare may have played 20 tests not 100 tests and 80 tests which give you a better assessment but when you look at these the first class records of these guys of vijay merchant of vijay hazare you realize what titans they were to score season after season consistently and at such a high level was quite extraordinary and then the race between the two vijays vijay hazare and vijay merchant uh, you know as to who would make more runs season after season is one of the highlights of of indian cricket in its early years well there you have it indian innings the journey of indian cricket from 1947 edited by as memon it's a wonderful wonderful compilation of essays articles you must get it into your life let's come to the modern day so Rohit Sharma has a hamstring injury he's not going to play in the tests against South Africa Virat Kohli one heard a rumor flying around that perhaps he's not available for the ODI series because his his daughter finishes one year on the planet he however has gone on to clarify saying that he hasn't yeah. asked for anything and all of a sudden uh, we're also told that he's not going to be uh, the skipper in in white ball cricket at all and the board's view is we asked him to stay on in the t20 he says no it's quite a soap opera isn't it it is it is and highly avoidable i mean it just just reflects so poorly on the on the bcci or the management of uh, on the management of indian cricket this is something that was completely needless and on the eve of a very important tour because india haven't done well in south africa in the sense that we haven't won a series there and this is was this was a great opportunity is already a setback uh, that rohit sharma who's been your best batsman over the last two years is not there because of injury so that's a setback for virat now virat himself is going through a fairly lean phase in his batting career so he is he has to now you know ensure that he's at his best gets his mojo back and starts making runs also it becomes important for cheteshwar pujara and ajinkya rane both of whom were in the squad lots of people thought they might not be but i think uh, dravid and uh, the selectors and virat have plumped for the experience to go there this kl rahul i mean this is going to be a tough tour though south africa is not the team it used to be but even so it will be a tough tour what i was disappointed with is so a split captaincy situation was is completely fine and especially uh when you know uh, while virat's record in bilateral series as a captain is absolutely fantastic is the best by any captain but when it comes to winning icc tournaments or multi team tournaments like the ipl he's got very or nothing to show for it and whether we like it or not these are tangible winnings you know you get a cup or you get a silverware which you keep in the bcci office or in your own home or wherever it it starts to matter to people who follow because there's something to show and rohit has got that and therefore he became a very strong option for virat especially with virat not making runs one of the reasons that you might want to not bur- you know take away the white ball captaincy from virat is also because hey is he getting too or is he getting overburdened let's reduce the burden so he starts concentrating on his batting so the choice i think was is not in itself unsound england have benefited from a white ball captain in ian morgan so to have australia recently they got arun finch to win the tournament the other model also works kane williamson has done wonderfully for new zealand in all three formats and babar azam a young pakistan captain is doing very well in all three formats which fo- which one fits 
which country is a matter of time and situation so i think this was fine but the manner in which the transition was carried out i think was you know left a lot to be desired virat kohli comes and gives up the t20 captaincy you take it and you give it to rohit and if you wanted two captains for you know red white ball and red ball different at that point in time why didn't you appoint rohit as white ball captain for odis too that would have settled the matter instead you wait for a year, for a month and a half and then when the squad is chosen for the test team in that you announce the captain for the odi team so it reflects you know it shows disenchantment with kohli and also for such a stellar performer to not even have a word of thanks for him in the in the press release was i thought uh, you know was quite demeaning and need not have been done at all and then you had the you know now it's become a he said you said i said between kohli and kohli is refuted ganguly who is the bcci president in his time as feisty a captain and a character as virat is that he he never spoke to me about the t20 captaincy that don't give it up while ganguly says i informed him we told told him don't give it up then i also informed him about the odi captaincy but virat says i got to know only about an hour and a half now this is a sad situation and i feel we have to wait and see what you know there was some gross grave misunderstanding or what is the clarification that ganguly has to offer but my point is this if you are trying to convince virat not to give up the t20 captaincy and then by extension also the odi captaincy then rohit sharma is he a captain by default and not on merit which is you know i i i, I mean the guy has done everything to deserve the captaincy but you make it seem as if it's you know arey virat habul if he had not resigned from the t20 captaincy he might still have been captain in all three formats which i don't think is the case because there was the winds of change were blowing for the last 6 months and i thought you know this whole affair could have been handled a little more tactfully you're dealing with two big players you're dealing with sensitive you know egos you need the job of the bccib should be for the betterment of indian cricket at you know as the main objective not about you know how you control one or the other and you know i i thought that we had moved away from that that point in time but as i said sometimes uh, you feel that indian cricket you know uh, the more it change the more it remain the same and let's move to the ashes not without its fair share of drama before uh, the ashes kicked off this year tim pain resigning as captain and then saying i'm not even going to wicket keep <laughs> i'm not going to be in the yeah. team they draft in pat cummins who has a caveat and he says despite what happened with sandpaper gate you might not think steve smith is uh, leadership material but he's got to be my vice captain <laughs> otherwise i ain't playing so steve smith comes back in uh england's batting woes continue they don't seem to to have a batsman other than root who can do the job for them we're seeing flashes here and there and wonder of wonders chris broad has gone public saying he was available for selection at the gabba and the english selectors chose not to play him and uh, and james anderson they have about 1000 plus wickets between the two of them and they choose a jack leach who's hammered to all corners <laughs> of the park poor chap yeah. and uh, here we are at the ping ball test so your thoughts on what's happening in the ashes well i think i think uh, you know unless things change dramatically and when i say dramatically i mean it with you know in all capital letters i think england are in for a stuffing as we speak uh, australia just two wickets down in the pink ball test 200 plus runs already scored smith steve smith steve smith there still batting and mark manas labushen who's you know averaging over 60 both these guys averaging over 60 in test cricket and england just not looking equipped either in in skills temperament or in tactics to counter this you know Aussie Aussie challenge there's no Hazelwood in this match there's no Pat Cummins but even so they've got Stark they've got Jai Richardson you know I mean it's a very powerful Aussie lineup playing at home the only team to have kind of 
subdued them has been india and that was that is one of the spectacular achievements of indian cricket but i think that you know england in australian cricket has been through a crisis over the last 3 4 years steve smith david bonner brought the team down to bootlace level they got in justin langer who's one of the big voice uh, you know big cricketers of australia in the two decades back and then there was a, a near revolt against rebellion against him in the in the dressing room they just about managed to keep that and then you had the tim tim pin uh, controversy you know where he i mean uh, the australian cricket board kind of supported him through this controversy but it was obvious to anybody once the details leaked out that he couldn't play i mean he must be going through a lot of trauma he's called it on himself be that as it may it's a it it reached a situation where the aussies i think now the players have more or less taken control of the dressing room that we have to do it the way we think australian cricket will benefit i'm just saying it from the outside this is my understanding and they're doing a very good job of it so it's a very experienced lineup they don't have too many youngsters they've got travis head we saw in the first match he smashed what a counter attack brilliant counter attacking innings so that's the kind of talent that england is facing and england apart from joe root i think they're very weak in in quality bats batting you know ben stokes is not looking the player that he looked in 2019 he's just come back after a long layoff there is they've got legendary figures like anderson and broad but anderson has not really done well in australia as he's done in england so too broad to a large extent i don't know what the bowling options are there if the ball is not swinging then anderson broad the threat is diminished their bowling is blunted so i think that it's going to be really tough for england if anything is possible in sport especially in cricket but right now it seems being smashed in 4 days in the first test match if they make 400 450 in the in in the day night match here at adelaide then england will will struggle to you know it, it's not just about how well or badly the pitch is playing you just get worn down mentally you know and you start losing heart and if you lose the second test then i i think they're in line for a 50 route it could be as bad as that ayaz is on twitter at cricketwala that's w a l l a h Uh, if you're wondering how to spell that, so cricketwala, and uh, of course Ayaz Maimon on Instagram as well as Ayaz Maimon on Facebook. Please do follow him, and I urge you to get uh, Indian Innings, edited by Ayaz Maimon. It's out on all on ground as well as online stores. A fabulous book, uh, uh, a Westland publication. Thank you for your time and your patience. This was a long time coming, and I'm so glad it happened. Cheers. Thank you, Rishi. Always a pleasure talking to you.